All right, we are live. All right. All right, welcome to the Real and Real Estate Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Lindsay Perino, a realtor in Tampa Bay, Florida. This podcast was created to bring awareness of what real estate agents actually do and some other helpful insights in the industry for the average person. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at St. Pete Real Estate. And we have Sandy Knott. Hello, everybody. My name is Sandy Knott. I am the productivity coach over here at Keller Williams Gulf Beaches in Treasure Island, Florida. Whipping our butt into shape. Making sure we we close. Making sure you guys produce. Keep closing. ABCs. Know your ABCs. (laughs) Always be closing. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And then coffee is for closers. Were those from the same movie? Uh, That was a Leo. Wolf on Wall Street. ABC. Wolf on Wall Street. No, Boiler Room. I think Boiler Room. No, I could be wrong. No, Wolf of Wall Street wasn't talking about that. It was a real estate movie. And the guy like walks into the office with all these like deadbeat realtors and he goes, put that coffee down. He goes, what? Coffee is for closers only. (laughs) You haven't seen that movie? I forgot what the name is. It's not Boiler Room. It's something else. Now we're going to have to clean the mic. (laughs) I just got it all. We're good. All right. So today's segment, I have Sandy in here because one, he has a lot of experience, but two, we want to talk about buyers, right? Like the 101 on what we do as a buyer's agent we'll talk about listing agents too because you can be both um a little bit about me i've been a coach for a while but i've been a buyer's agent for five years everybody knows six years years. everybody knows your intro already but i've been the thing is is a lot of people don't know that yeah i worked with listings but i was like buyer focus only for probably my first four to five years in the business so something you typically see buyers or listing agent like designated on teams but yeah. you're saying when you were off a team, you were only I, a buyer's? That's just where I kept getting my clients. Like I was really, really good at open houses and open houses. Most of the time you find buyers. So I just kept mm-hmm. getting more and more buyers and I ended up becoming so buyer focused where I would say my ratios, like every listing, I would get five buyers. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to make the last part of this podcast about, you know, four agents. Okay. Give us some tips yeah, yeah. on how to do that better. Um. So to start out, there's a listing agent and a a buyer's agent. Tell us the difference. Um, It's just kind of who you're representing on the side of the transaction. You know, the buyer, there's a lot of things that needs to get done during uh, the transaction throughout the contract. And a buyer normally doesn't know that. So they get a buyer's agent to help them out throughout that process. Same thing with putting a house on the market and marketing it uh, correctly. Sellers could know how to do it. They might have sold some homes, but there are professionals in that field. So a lot of people tend to hire a real estate professional or a listing agent to do that job for them. Yep. And there's, you can choose when you get into real estate, if you want to work with mainly buyers or mainly sellers, there's a lot of us that work both sides of the transaction um, because- we're, we're not going to discriminate against yeah. green money. No, yeah. <laughs> you know? Green is green. Yeah, right. <laughs> so um, what, in your experience, what are some things you've heard about why people don't necessarily want to work with buyers? Like why agents don't want to work with buyers? Um, okay, well, there's one saying that I say a lot, <laughs> a lot. And um, I don't mean it like directly, but buyers are liars. Yeah. Um, and I don't necessarily mean that what they're telling you in the consultation, they're lying. It's more just 
they sleep one night and they wake up the next morning and everything they thought about for the last week, they have a totally different mindset about it. And they totally want to change their criteria. And then instead of really communicating that with the agent, they end up just sending you homes based on their new criteria without informing you. So, mm -hmm. you know, me being as an agent, I'm basing it off the last conversation that we had. And then you're sending me things that are completely unrelated. And I have to tell you no. And I don't want to do that with my client. I want to be like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I'm like, no, that's not what you're looking for. That is not what we're going to do. That's not yeah. what we're not going to look at. But then they tell me, oh, I thought about this. I thought about this. And I want to do this now. And I'm like, oh, well, that would have been good information to know. And that happens more often than not. And it mm -hmm. actually jeopardizes deals from happening. Right. Because not everyone's on the same page. And if you've been a client of mine and you're listening to this, I guarantee that you have heard or read in a text message from me. Um, so something changed from changed from our last conversation. Have your needs, wants changed from the last time we spoke? That is the reason. That's such a good <laughs> way to do it. I use it yeah. on repeat <laughs> because I'm like, whoa, pause. Hold on a second. Our budget was 400000 and now you're looking at houses for 700000 and you're mainly sending me houses that have pools. So is that a deal breaker for you now? Have you, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, and I think it's really helpful when we're the agent, we are having a buyer's consultation with you. Hopefully most agents that you've worked with will have that initial conversation where, Hey, my name is Lindsay Prino. I've been doing this for this long. This is my goal and objective in working with you. I want you to have a great time. I want us to make sure that we're not wasting our time looking at properties. I want to get to know you. So please send me properties in the beginning so I can understand your taste, what you're looking for. Like you go through your buyer's consultation. I'm sure we all have some things in common, some common elements. But at the end of the day, we're working with you to make sure that we truly get to know you. We're going to be working with you for a while. And you said something that was really good. We're not working for you. We are working with you. Yeah. With you. So think of us as business partners instead of like somebody that you hire. Yep. Because we need to work together. I need to know what's going on. And a lot of the information that gets passed when buying a home tends to be personal. So that's mm -hmm. why like, I'm not trying to look just to be some random Joe Schmo that you hired. It's like, I'm trying to form a relationship and I want you to know that like, I'm working in your best interest and we're working together. You know, it's a, when you get the house that you want and I get paid, that's a win-win for the both of us. Right. But I can't convince you to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on something you don't want. So I need to find out what you're looking for and I need to work with you on that. Yeah. Like a trusted advisor. I've heard this yeah. in so many different like sessions that we've been a part of and just talking with other agents. But at the end of the day, you are going to rely on us to be your trusted advisor. So when these hard conversations have to happen, you designate me, you designate maybe a family member and a friend. And when shit starts to go south and there's there's a gap, we have to be kind of at an arm's length with you. We can get personal. It can be great. But at the end of the day, you want to be able to trust and hear from multiple different people. We're all like that. We're not just going to consult one person about our problems for the rest of our life. Yeah. We want different perspectives. So when you uh, rely on us to help you purchase a home, we have that initial consultation. We're going to you know, make sure that we talk to you about who are the people in your life that you can trust and turn to when say you're looking at a house, you put an offer in, it falls apart. You're getting upset. Who can you also turn to aside from us? Mm -hmm. Right. That's going to support you and have your back. So when we initially start with that consultation, it's to get to know you on an intimate level, 
and know your partner, right? Like if you're both buying a house, we want to make sure that we kind of have the detail about uh, how also, that's going to yeah, work. Please make sure that anybody who's going to be buying that you're buying a house with, like just Is make sure you're together. <laughs> just make sure you're together. I, you know, I'm not your son. Right. So I'm not going to go ask mom. And then you tell me to go ask dad. How many would... times does it happen where the wife or the husband will say something to you, but it's in a side off conversation? Like you'll have a group chat together, but then they'll send you a house on the side and you're like, wait a second. And I'll go back to the group chat and text them. Hey, so-and-so is interested in this property. And the husband's like, what? I got tired of dealing with that. So I literally copy and paste that link and I put it in the group chat. <laughs> yes. I'm just like, what do you guys think of this one? I'm like, you're not, you know, like you guys are both buying a house. You're not the only one. We're like, not the middleman yeah. for you in that sense. I had one time where um, I did the consultation and the guy was just talking up this really good game saying how he's going to do the investment. It's his investment, his investment, his investment. And I'm like, ah, sweet. Got it. All you take care of it. <laughs> right. We look at two houses and he goes, yeah. I gotta go talk to my wife about this. And I go, I didn't even know your wife was involved. Like I was asking you questions and you just said, it's me, 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 me. And now you need to talk to wife. I'm like, okay, that's fine. He calls me the next morning. Can we go look at it again today? My wife wants to see it. And I just like, it's just, it, why wasn't she there to begin with? Like what lesson, was she doing? Lesson learned yeah. all day. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's just like, that's the thing. I'm trying to work with you. And if you don't respect my time, it's like, it's it's not enjoyable then to work with somebody that just kind of pulls you around at any time of the day. Right. Like we're humans as well. Mm -hmm. And I want to help you. That's why I'm doing this as a career. So let's work together. Let's respect yeah. each other's boundaries. I'm not going to call you at 9 p.m. if you don't want to be bothered. So how about you kind of do the same with me? Right. And those are all things we section out from day one when mm -hmm. we have that initial conversation with them. Right. Yep. It's also saving them time because home buying is so exciting. Like, especially if they're nice houses, you have a good budget. Like, mm -hmm. let's see some houses. We want to do it, too. We love looking at houses. That's why we're doing this for a career. <laughs> There's so many home buying shows, flipping yeah. shows, because people are interested in it. It's fun. It's exciting. But when you haven't even gotten, like, a pre-approval letter and you want to go look at houses, it's our job to kind of be the one that's going to not be the emotional one, yep. but kind of neutralize the situation and balance it and say, hold on a second. Look, like, we're in a market right now. Right now here in St. Pete, where houses are still going off the market pretty quick. Time to contract. I looked a couple weeks ago. It was like 14 days yeah, it's from going, list it's to going, contract. It's actually going down, which is crazy after how low it's already been. Man. And in that situation, if you haven't even gotten pre-approval, you haven't gotten all your bank statements, you're getting financing, we're going to say, hold on, pause. By the time you do get pre-approved, that house might be off the market. So let's take it a step back. We're here to advise you. We see this happen all the time. We're If you have time to waste, okay, well, have you go to open houses. You can get excited. You can look at things on Pinterest. But we have the process and the steps for how it's going to work. And sometimes you can't go outside the box. The thing, but when we talk about time, like, yeah, we talk about wasting time. And we don't want to waste our time. But it's also, it's a mutual feeling for you guys. Like, we don't want to waste your time as well. Because a lot of the times, you're not looking to buy a house in your own neighborhood where you can just walk down the street. Like normally you're driving somewhere and sometimes you're driving an hour. And when people have full-time jobs and they get off of work at five and then they have to drive an hour to go look at some houses, like you could be making dinner at that time. You could be relaxing. Mm -hmm. You could be watching something. So like the questions that we ask and like the time that we don't want to waste, it's, it's a beneficial for everybody because how nice would it be that I show you two homes and you fall in love with the second one and then you close on it instead of looking at 15, 16. I get people want to look at all the houses on the market. But if I'm able to find the perfect thing for you sooner, 
why isn't that a positive? Yep. And pictures are deceptive, just like social yeah. media, Instagram, like we, you could be looking at a house and they fall in love with it. And then you could be looking through the pictures and you're like, or just the fine details, right. And looking at something and saying, Hey guys, I don't necessarily think this is going to be a good investment. Like, and that's the thing as well. Like a lot of people think us agents, like we're only doing this for the money, but I don't think people understand how many times I've actually talked my clients out of buying a house because it wasn't right for what they told me. Right. And, and then like with the emotions, people's judgment gets clouded. Right. And let's talk about that for a minute because sometimes we're the bad guy when we are. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, all right, let's put in perspective here, lead it up for some people um, that aren't privy to real estate all the time, but you're looking at a house, you find something that you love we'll talk with you and say, Hey, what are you comfortable putting in? This is a list price. What are you comfortable going up to? Mm -hmm. Then on our end is the buyer's agent. We'll go look at comps, right? We'll see what have things sold for. Yep. We want to make sure, especially if you're financing, that it's going to appraise Yes, because exactly. we could get through inspection and everything. And then you're overpaying for your home, but your lender is only going to say, well, based on the appraisal, it's only worth X. Are you willing to bring the cash to the table to close the gap? And most people will say no because they're financing them, in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. They don't have that amount of cash to, to throw around to make up that difference. sometimes. Right. So we advise, we get to that point and I know you, you care about your clients just as much as I do. If an offer doesn't go through, you will like, we work our butt off to make sure that we're getting right. along with the agent, that we're doing the due diligence, right? You're talking your buyers out of something that's not a good sound investment. But still, a lot of people don't know what we do, and we do take a lot of the heat for offers not coming through. Yes. Because we're in a market right now where there are multiple offers still on some properties. And if it just doesn't work out, let's talk about that. Like, I mean, what's, like what's been your experience, and what, what can we help buyers, future buyers, present buyers know about the process? Well, I guess number one is trust your realtor. There's a lot of things that we do behind the scenes that many other agents don't. Mm -hmm. And like, yes, there's bad apples everywhere in any industry. So there are some agents that are very lazy and they do the bare minimum to get an offer in. And then even the offer they submitted, it's kind of, it's not filled out properly. Mm -hmm. But then we do things such as you were talking about building a good relationship with the listing agent. Through just two or three phone calls, if we even get to that point, we have to establish rapport with the other side so they know that we are good at our job. You know, we qualified our buyers. Our buyers are well qualified. We're familiar with the process. We're not a brand new agent. Mm -hmm. Like we'll be able to cause a nice seamless transaction for everybody. And that's like not that easy to do when you're not familiar with what's going on. Because if you can't knowledgeably talk about the transaction, the other agent's going to know that. And then therefore, they're going to be hesitant about taking your offer because the other agent already knows it's going to be more work for them. Yep. All right. So, Sandy, when it comes to writing an offer, we're talking about in a situation where ethically we are supposed to do what is right for the buyer. We make sure to call the other agent, build some rapport, make sure it's a win-win scenario. Right. That's mm -hmm. like a KW thing, but also just a life thing. Like yes. just create a win-win situation for everybody. And like, let's get to the end of the transaction. But when we're working with buyers, there's a lot of due diligence we have to do. So let's talk about some of that due diligence so that people that are present buyers, future buyers, just in general, know what we have to do before we put in an offer on a property. So we have people, they like property. It's X amount. Let's take it from there. Um, so, all right. One of the first things that I do is I always call the other agent. Um, like I said, like you said, 
we're always trying to make a win-win. So yes, we're we are representing the buyer, but at the same time, we don't want to. We need to cater a little bit to the seller, especially with the market that we're in right now, because they're the ones accepting our offer. Listings so, are leverage. Yes. Yes. Always. So I'll call the listing agent and I'll just try to figure out why is the seller selling the house? Because mm -hmm. if he's selling the house because he's moving to a different state, does he already have a house? If not, then that's telling me that he might need a longer closing so he has time to go find another home. Right. right. So then now how I can tailor that offer is I can maybe get my buyer a better deal while adding more time. So then again, the seller is winning in this scenario and the buyer is winning. Yeah. So that's from the phone call. We also do multiple phone calls with the listing agent because we're all, we're all working together. There's so many moving parts in a transaction. So we just really want to know, like, I want the listing agent to know like, Hey, I'm on top of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm always, I'm always going to be able to answer my phone. You're not going to have to do my workload for me. Like I'm going to be very, I'm going to communicate effectively and I'm showing her how I run business. That's going to instill confidence in her and her client because she sees how I handle it. Mm -hmm. Because there are plenty of other agents that will not even call the listing agent. They just submit an offer and say, please let me know what you think. But then again, that listing agent has no idea what type of person are you. If you're a brand new agent, they're, they're gonna it's going to make them hesitant because it's double the workload for that listing agent. Right and there. there's so much conversation that you could have done ahead of time, right, to prevent this counter back and forth, yep. right? Because at the end of the day, time does kill deals. Is real estate a quote unquote brain bleed? No, not by any means. But when you're in the market that we're in where deals are still going quickly, right? Like mm -hmm. our houses are still going quickly. You want to eliminate as much time as possible throughout your offer getting accepted, right? The time from being interested to yeah. accepted. Yeah. So just like you said, we're going to call that agent. We're going to befriend them. We're going to build rapport, see what they want, see what their sellers want. And we only have like a couple minutes to do that. Like right. 102 minutes max, if that. Yeah. Like sometimes the phone calls aren't lasting long, but we have to sh show them what we're made of as quick as possible. Exactly. And <clears throat> also when it comes to the list price and things are still a little bit overvalued right now, I'd say in this market, we're going to, after that conversation, gather all our data, ask you what you're willing to lose the house for, right? Because yep. if we put an offer in, is if it's within five to 10 grand, are you going to be sad that you didn't get the house? If so, we, you know, we take that information, we'll do comps. I'm not sure some agents do it backwards. We'll do comps, then ask them what they're willing to spend on it. I usually, versa. well, again, it's, we're not the ones making the decision. So right. that's why I always put it on the client first. Cause yep. if it, you know, that, that question alone, we're assessing how serious they are. And if they're exactly. like about to jump out of their shoes or how bad they want this house, then I know like, okay, we're probably going to be writing a strong offer and comps right. might not be as important. It's I'm, a good foundation, but it's yeah. not going to determine anything. Yeah, it's just going to help protect yeah. us. Yeah. So I'll that it appraises. Yeah, I'll look mm -hmm. at comps for the appraisal purpose to say like, all right, you know, yeah, I understand that you really want the house and you want to pay more for it, but don't go over this amount. Like, exactly. The, you know, that's probably what I'll do it for. Now, if I have a buyer that, you know, they want to write an offer, but they're not like ecstatic, it's kind of they're burning out and they just want to mm -hmm. get something, then yeah, I might do a little bit more detailed comps just to make sure that like we're in a decent area in terms yep. of what we're going to offer. And then I just let my buyer know like, hey, if we're somewhere between this price and this price, we should be pretty good on appraisal. And in my opinion, I think this is a good value for the home. Right. And taking it a step back, just so that everybody can get it in perspective, you find a house that you like, you put an offer in, and that's what we're talking about that situation. When you get past the inspection period where you're going to have someone come look at the systems, the roof, interior, exterior of your house, when you get past that point, you'll have that appraisal gap. And the appraisal specifically for financing is important because when you're getting a mortgage from a bank or some financial institution, 
they're doing an appraisal to make sure that the money that they're investing in you and the house that you're interested in is going to appraise properly or value properly. To put it in, to put it they're, in sense, the mortgage company is the one taking the risk because they're the ones putting the money up. Right. So they put in, they bring in a neutral person that has an appraisal license to give his evaluation of the home. So then that he's able to turn back to the mortgage company and say, this is what I believe the home is worth. So what goes on through the mortgage company's mind is if they happen to foreclose and we have to take the home back, mm -hmm. we can still make our money back by selling that house. Yep. So they just don't want buyers to overpay for a property. And when the market was crazy, like it was during COVID, yeah. people were writing offers 50 to 60 K over asking financing offers that would not slide because mm -hmm. you can't justify that value for the home and you don't know if you're going to get that price when you sell it. Yeah. And that lender is going to say, if it's a home that's overpriced, are you willing to bring that extra cash to the table? Cause we're only going to give you four fifty. Mm -hmm. You put an offer for 500. Do you have that $50,000? So and that does not include down payment and that does not closing include cost, closing yeah. costs. That is a totally separate thing that, um, in terms just of money. additional money. So it's yeah. expensive <laughs> to buy a house, but yes. we look at all these things for you so that when you do put an offer in, one, it's going to be a strong offer. Two, it's going to benefit both parties. And three, you're not going to be like killing yourself over an yeah. investment that's probably not going to be in your best interest, yeah. right? So, so many things that we do as your agent on the buying side to make sure that it gets through. And quite frankly, at the end of the day, you and I can work so hard to befriend the agent, to put in a strong offer. And guess what happens? You don't even get your offer accepted. Sometimes it doesn't get accepted. And you want to hear something funny though that happens sometimes that I don't think buyers really understand? Guys, every single house has cameras. A lot of those cameras have mm -hmm. microphones. If you know there's cameras in the house, don't say anything that you don't want the seller to hear. Mm -hmm. I've had, I think, more than one instance where I did not get my offer accepted because my buyer offended the seller based on what he said about the house. And the agent actually told you? Because sometimes you don't have an answer for why your offer is not accepted. I, they didn't tell me directly, but they were beating, <laughs> they were beating around the bush. I was asking him like, you know, was it, was it the terms and the conditions and the price? Mm -hmm. Like, what was it? And he goes, no, nah, the contract was fine. Just my seller's not comfortable taking your offer. And I was like, uh, what's going mm -hmm. on? And then that's kind of when it clicked to me. I'm like, the only thing that makes sense is like my seller offended some, or my buyer offended somebody. And low offers for people who write low ball offers, you can also offend the seller that way because when it's your own home, you know, you, you care, you know how much it's worth and it means more to you than it does to others. And then have somebody come to the, to your door offering 50% less than what you think it's worth. It's, that's not a good feeling to have. So be mm -hmm. careful about the low ball offers. 10% below asking is considered a low ball offer. So if you're going 40 to 50%, that's, that's unrealistic. I mean, I, I, I've done it and gotten it accepted. Do you but like, like 50% off? You lowballed somebody that hard? No, not uh, fifty percent off. Say. But I'm saying that I've lowballed more than ten percent for sure. Oh, okay. And we did get it accepted, but there was some feedback from the listing agent, like you know, the owners. She's a little bit offended by the first offer, <sighs> and then it's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I know I tried to talk yeah. to my buyer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we do try to like massage the deal and make sure that it works regardless. Mm -hmm. And you will know if your agent is the type of person that's willing to make that happen. Your first buyer's, your buyer's consultation, you're going to know their personality. Like, I don't think anyone can view us just trying to be self-aware. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think anyone's going to look at us and be like, oh, yeah, they're going to be hard asses and just like screw the deal for me. Yeah. But there's some people that I have a conversation with and I immediately, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Mm -hmm. So. 
what you're saying is true. You can instantly tell what an agent's, what their work ethic is going to be like yeah. from the first conversation you have with them. And the most heartbreaking thing is we're part of this deal. Our job is your agent is to have a little bit of detachment so that we can help you put your emotions aside when it's such an exciting, but nerve wracking, frustrating, also happy thing, right? Like when you're putting an offer in, you are seeing your future home, your future life, what that's going to be. So when an offer doesn't pan out, it's devastating. We get that. And we know that you need some time to process, but we're here to help like be that coach for you to just like keep going. Yeah. Like it'll pan out, but this is the ride of real estate and you just got to ride the wave. Like, mm -hmm. you know, so we're here coaching, but I know that we're going to do everything in our power to make sure the deal goes through. And sometimes it just doesn't. And will you bring up a good point mm -hmm. with saying with that? So there's a lot of moving parts in a transaction. I mean, you got the buyer, the seller, the listing agent, the buyer's agent, uh, possibly an attorney, the appraiser, the inspector, a termite inspector, title company, roof lender, inspector, roof, like it, the list goes on and on and on and on. So there's a lot of moving parts. Sometimes deals fall apart and it's not our fault. Mm -hmm. And or don't even get accepted because yeah. they a, f a friend of theirs who's an agent like it could be something there, totally be. unrelated to us. It could be something totally different. As you're saying, I'm my friend is a real estate agent and he brought an offer as well. And I would rather work with my friend than you like that stuff like that happens as well. No matter how much like rapport we can build. Yes. And the thing is, is I'm not saying the offer was, you know, his offers was so much worse. Like the offers could be in the same ballpark mm -hmm. right now, but that's like the deciding factor of why yours wasn't taken. And that's why in a prior segment, Sandy talked about his like shit list. <laughs> What's it called? Like they're, they're it's my naughty list. <laughs> I call it a naughty list. I finally have one person on my naughty list. It'll, it'll keep growing. It'll keep growing. But, um, there's just things that we can't control and that's just the way life is. So, just know, like at the end of the day, we're trying to like speak to the detail and what we do on the side of being your buyer's agent. But sometimes at the end of the day, like give us some grace because just as much as we're fighting for your deal, like we are also devastated by it. But because this is our 24 seven job, we have to be able to move on from it and constantly think about solving. Right. So if you don't like this house, what houses did you look at in the past that were also your top three? top two or can we look towards the future you know we have to have that solutions oriented mindset mm -hmm. and it's frustrating but just don't like be mean to us yeah I know. and like don't get me wrong like there are standards with everything don't be mean but understand that we're working together we're not working for you we're not like you didn't you just hired us but like i said we we need to cater to your needs and if you don't communicate with us and if you're not open with us then it's hard for us to do that. Mm -hmm. And I will say there are plenty of agents that need to improve on the skill set that they have in this industry. Yes. Not all agents are like that. Mm -hmm. So there's part-time agents yeah. that we go up against. There's people that don't necessarily know contract knowledge. Mm -hmm. Like I was talking to you, I had an offer the other day that we had an escalation clause of 3750. So no matter what oh, yeah. the highest offer was, we were going to pay over. And we shortened the inspection time frame. We so many things about this deal that we did to get in first place. Mm -hmm. And still it wasn't, it wasn't accepted. Yep. And that could be because that agent, maybe they don't understand how to explain what an escalation clause is and the benefit. Like 
there's so many factors that we can we can only control our side. Yes. And that but the thing is, is how some people are going to end up looking at it is like, oh, well, why did we even do it to begin with? And mm-hmm. like people don't understand the whole reason of an why escalation clause. Why did say that clause, again? Why did we even do what to be the escalation clause? Okay. Like, why would you even use an escalation clause if they think that's the reason they didn't get their offer accepted? Mm-hmm. But then people forget the fact that the whole reason of using something like that is to protect you in the long run. Yep. Because I, if there's I, another yeah, offer on the table, this gives us the ability to then see that offer, make sure we're not you. overpricing, yeah. but then also get number one. It's yeah. But it, some people don't know how to explain it, and then the. In this situation, the sellers were a little bit older, hadn't purchased a home in like 40, 50 years. Mm -hmm. So it's something that you truly do need to sit down with your clients and clearly explain like, hey, this is in your best interest. My job is to clarify this for you. If I'm not saying it in a way that's understandable to you, help me to do that. Like, let's work together to make sure we're both on the same page. And it doesn't even matter how desperate you get and how bad you tell me you want the house. It's like, that's again, that's emotions and emotions clouds judgment and you're not making rational decisions. So Mm -hmm. therefore, even though you're telling us we're working in your best interest. So if you end up having a change of heart at any point, we always set up the deals to allow you to experience that and then get out scot-free. Like, we don't want you to lose money Scott just for free. changing your mind. Great Scott. Yes. <laughs> I'm gonna it Scottish. Oh, man. All right. So anything else that we can provide, like, insight for on the buying side? I think we did a great job of at least just bringing you some insight as to what we're doing to help you get the home that you want. But, you know, I there's say, only I so many my, things we can do. My piece of advice is tr- you. it's really important to truly understand who does what? Yeah. So I have buyers that come to me asking me mortgage questions. I went to school for real estate mm-hmm. and I learned the contract and I learned what to do to sell a house. Mm-hmm. I didn't learn what to do to get you a mortgage. Yep. So I'm not going to know mortgage questions. Right. Same thing. When you're asking me about the condition of the home, I'm not a licensed inspector. I can use my basic knowledge. But then again, I don't even trust my own basic knowledge because we have no proof of what I'm saying. Right. So that would probably be the best thing because we take the heat on for a lot of the things that are not our job. Mm-hmm. It just could be because of other agents setting that expectation or whatever the case may be. But there are specialists in specific fields and you going to a real estate agent about something not specifically relating to the contract or the house. Well, then therefore that's out of their expertise and you can't guarantee you're getting the best level of service in that. So better mortgage question, stay with the lender inspection mm-hmm. question or house condition inspection, stay with the inspector. And kind of keep things in that same bubble because, like, for instance, property taxes, I can tell you what I might think it's going to be, but there is no physical way I can give you an exact number because that's not in my specialty. And I don't have access to that information to give you. So if your property taxes are a little bit more than what I estimated, I'm letting you know now, like, I am not a appraiser. I'm not a property tax appraiser. I don't know your property You're not taxes. a property tax adjuster. Adjuster. Thank you. <laughs> Come no, on. Adjuster. Yeah. And honestly, if you're thinking like, well, I want an agent that has the experience that's done it all, I guarantee you at one point in time that that agent has gotten in trouble for something or has pissed somebody off. Because if we claim that we know absolutely everything, we truly don't. Our job is to advise. Yes, when we're going through a home, we can point different things out and we'll bring it to your attention so that we can bring it to the inspector's attention. But like, we are real We're here to make sure that you close the transaction. Yes. And that that is our goal. And we want to make sure that you're satisfied and that you're not going to have anything that's going to catch up with you later. And I guarantee you that we know somebody to point you in the right direction or to get that, that question answered. As professionals, we know what we know, but we also know what we don't. 
Yep. So we'll guide cool. you in the right spot. All right. Thank you so much, Sandy, for talking about it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.